Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. And uh, Squirrel, I was on Twitter uh, just right before we started recording here, and I saw something uh, a bit different. I saw uh, several tweets from you today, and you're not normally a you know multi-tweet kind of person. No, uh, that's true. <laughs> so what, what's what's going on? What's the what's the what's the new process here? Well, so what I discovered is that I have this great big list of all kinds of stuff for us to talk about on our blog and on the podcast and other places. And I realized that instead of just writing down five or six words to remind myself about what we might talk about in the future, I could actually tweet them. So I started doing that and it takes just about as long. And uh, it turns out I can still look it up. So when we're looking for a topic, I can just look at my tweet stream and other people can see it and they can comment. So that seems to be working great. Uh, I only started it today, so we'll see how it goes. But if you want to check out what might be coming on the podcast, you could look at uh, Douglas Squirrel, which is just my name, uh, and that's my Twitter handle. And we'll have a link in the show notes to one of the ones that you tweeted today because uh, I was looking through them and said, hey, why don't we talk about this? Uh, tell us about, about data psyops. <laughs> sure. Well, it's kind of a goofy name, but um, the challenge I've seen, and it's been brought to my mind a couple of times for clients recently, but I've seen it for several years, is that data science teams are kind of like server teams, uh, operations teams, uh, system admin teams used to be back around 2010. And the, the, the parallels are that uh, back then, your operations team was this separate entity and it existed somewhere in your pipeline. So um, in, in the case of uh, system admins, they were kind of at the end of the pipeline. So you'd written a whole bunch of code, you'd done a whole bunch of stuff. And then these mysterious people in a different building who didn't have anything to do with you, who you'd never seen or heard of before, did magic that you didn't understand and your code went live. And that seemed uh, not to be so good to very smart people like Patrick Dubois and the folks at Flickr and, and uh, uh, John Allspaw, uh, Allspaw and other folks. And they said, hey, what if we had this thing where the developers, the dev, and the operations, the ops, were together? And gosh, we could call it dev ops. And um, that, that term has been bastardized in, in quite a lot of ways uh, since then. And, and now you talk about hiring a DevOps, and I never understand what that means. But uh, <laughs> the, the original idea was, what if these people got out of their separate buildings and stopped uh, treating each other as, as magicians? Because the system admins thought the coders were these mysterious people who gave them confusing stuff and weird uh, release instructions and things. And um, they, they each viewed the other as these kind of uh, strange uh, entities for another planet. They said, what if we move to the same planet? And that, <laughs> that worked out pretty well for the teams that tried it in its original form. I'm not sure that the modern kind of uh, uh, twisting of it has worked out so well. But my thought was, and I'm sure it's not a totally original thought, is that data scientists are very similar, that they also are um, magicians. They're at the beginning of the pipeline, typically. They're coming up with something abstract and new and exciting uh, that's going to go into uh, a software system of some variety. But they're similarly inventing something, coming up with something that many other people in the team don't understand, and it comes sailing in from uh, outer space and lands on your desk, and you say, what do I do with this? And, and uh, in a similar way, they're also not part of the regular process of the team. They're not part of the uh, uh, stand-ups or the uh, uh, sprint planning or the retrospectives or something. There's kind of extra people who are off over there doing something. And, and I keep seeing this go wrong. And it sure seemed to me like what we were seeing go wrong in the operations world in the uh, early part of the century. 
<laughs> there's there's so, so this triggered so many memories and thoughts for me and and you know this uh everything you described tonight and even your tweet or the we'll put a link to the tweet of course in our show notes that you did today which is you know noticing that the data science teams are just as isolated from customer and product needs as system admins used to be and and your your story here uh, made me think of not just sysadmins, but um, like Oracle DBAs or you know something oh, like that. Yeah, like, <laughs> the, the the people with the special knowledge who are also key. And the other thing about this is, uh, it occurred to me just in general, this um, people want to be informed and data driven these days, and yet their uh, their approach to be data driven is is to have these very often silos and. That that people aren't aren't don't really have the data science embedded in their process, and they're, they're often lacking the the data literacy, the the numeracy, <laughs> to be able to actually have a constructive conversation with people. But but that was true of the server administrators back in the early 2010s. I remember that they would kind of they would be, there was teams where the the continuous integration, which was new then, was being run by that operations team, and it was this magic thing. You just handed over your code and some tests, and you got a test report back. And what happened in the between? Well, I don't know. But we all learned to to or many of us learned to actually operate those systems ourselves and uh, how, how to run the the release process, how to push a button and uh, release instantly. Th all those things came to be less magic, and uh, I suspect that we can do the same with data science. Yeah, yeah, I, which is why I think it's so great. I've actually had a really interesting experience um, over the past year or so with a, a product team where we did have some data science. Uh, uh, people integrated early on and actually at the level of trying to form a hypothesis for the product. So we were generating some new, uh, uh, some, some new capabilities. And the question we had, the challenge we had, with belief we had was that some people would already be trying to meet the needs uh, that we were trying to meet with the existing product. Mm. And the question is, could we discover that from our data? And so we actually had one of our data scientists go and uh, cluster the uh, users uh, based on their usage of the product. So start with just the idea of like, if you looked at how different users use the product, could you could you cluster them meaningfully? And were you effectively deriving personas from the data, <laughs> from the usage data? And did you find out anything surprising? Uh, we found out some very useful things. Yes, we did. We were able to come up uh, from the data uh, uh, sort of labels. We could sort of say, here's we could apply labels to type of, types of behavior and say we have these essentially four usage patterns of the product. And we think that what we are um, developing would be of interest. It matches the behavior we'd expect from two of them. So we were so that we were able to find validation of our hypothesis that we could say before we went and did this operation. That was that was part of the challenge was could we make a prediction before we did the analysis? Indeed, and and were all the four usage patterns ones that you had known about before, or were they new names, or were they new behaviors you weren't aware of? I think there was I think there were there was definitely some elements that were new. Yeah, I, I think we there was some real discovery from it, um, which was which was great. And that sounds really useful from the point of view of uh, making sure that the product managers and, and others making product decisions have useful data to start with. 
I've seen it also operate where you get data scientists involved in the day-to-day work and they their their projects, the things that they are doing are much better uh, driven by product priorities and by customer understanding. The opposite of that is what kind of triggered the tweet was observing <laughs> a couple of data science teams who had the opposite where the, yes. their, their projects are um, dreamed up by data scientists. They are applauded by other data scientists. They are demonstrated to data scientists and then plopped onto the desk of a developer or a product manager who says, who ordered, who ordered that? <laughs> and um, do, do not therefore become part of the ultimate product. I had one situation where um, the, the data science team was spending months and months coming up with really innovative stuff that um, seemed really nifty. But the developers, because it was magic to them, um, w- would get these uh, Jupyter notebooks on their uh, um, handed over to them. And the data scientists would say, look at this. It'll solve this problem for customers. And the uh, developers would say, I can't even tell how to run it. I don't even know what I'm supposed to do with the text that I've received, the, the lines and lines of text that have come to me. Uh, how do I check this in? Uh, you know, where are the unit tests? They, they were speaking completely different languages. And no surprise, those data scientists were very frustrated because there there was no route for to production for them yes and and i think that's great and i, I will say that you can also see this kind of thing where the data scientists are undermined because the data that they were given in the beginning uh wasn't going to match what people would have in production <laughs> so it was not the the uh, all the work they did was essentially invalid because it had look ahead bias in the data because the people provisioning the data weren't having conversations with the data scientists about what what needed to be true about the data so that, that these kind of miscommunications can uh, 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 torpedo the, the the best of intentions uh, of very promising things uh, either early on um, or later when it comes time for integration. But essentially, we're not getting the value because people aren't collaborating. Now, one thing I'll say, when you posted this on Twitter and you said, hey, we we need, you know, a, a Patrick Dubois <laughs> for the data world, uh, uh, you know, how about data psyops? Someone said, oh, no, we've got that. There's this data ops thing. And uh, so a link to that in the show notes. And I, I took a, a look through that. And I got to say, it didn't it didn't resonate with me uh, in the way that your tweet did. And I think because it it, it seemed to focus a lot on um, the the sort of process um, and the tooling. Uh, and it, it seemed like it had the message of saying, you know, we're going to have, uh, you know, better data science coming out of it. Uh, and it, it didn't have the same focus on alignment and, you know, embedded collaboration uh, uh, that I I took from what you were saying, like this sort of DevOps thing of like, guess what? Make them one team, you know, have them there together uh, from the beginning. I, I I didn't see that in that data ops thing, and 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 that's the that's the bastardization really of the. Uh, of the original DevOps mission, where people conflate the tools, which are really nifty. Hey, we'll use things like to, um, uh, Terraform and Kubernetes, and we'll use containers, and we'll have all these nifty tools that make things simpler. That's what this data ops stuff seems to be about. Uh, listeners are welcome to correct us, by the way. If you know more about it, please tell us. It was news to me. But it, it seems to be talking about the, the tools and the methods, which are all great. I'm in favor of automating lots of things. But DevOps is not about Automation is about collaboration and um, demystifying what people are doing and getting true customer-led 
innovation going um, in, um, in that case, system admin teams. Well, why can't we do the same for data science? But it's not about the tools. It's not, let's automate more things and make it simpler for data scientists to do their job. That's a separate great thing to do. It's not what uh, I'm complaining about in the tweet. And the, the, the thing about this is I think we're, uh, I'm really excited about the idea of developers and data scientists working together. Uh, I think they have, uh, there's a lot that they can learn from each other. And I think uh, you can get really great collaboration in this place of, of software eating the world. You know, we should expect that uh, the software development skills are going to be key enablers for really all kinds of uh, things and, and bringing that to data science, which I also see as something with a, you know, huge future that'd be of, of, of having uh, machine learning when appropriate, but basically being data driven and, and bringing those skills in again, huge potential and bring these things, two things together. And I think we can get uh, amazing outcomes. I, I've seen some really great collaboration that we grew into uh, at Tim from, you know, several years of the data scientists and the uh, developers you know, actually pairing, actually working together at that level, as opposed to to being these separate silos. So let's let's center on that one because I think that's tremendous. I was just about to ask you, hey, I was complaining in my tweet. Really, <laughs> I just said this doesn't seem right. Uh, Patrick Dubois, can you fix it for us? Um, but but uh, you just mentioned something which I think would be brilliant, which I haven't seen. Uh, which uh, and and some of our listeners sadly may not actually know very much about pairing, and we should probably do a whole episode on pairing sometime because <laughs> people have forgotten about it. But what you mean is a data scientist and a developer sitting at the same computer with one keyboard and producing uh, an output. I, I, I hesitate to say code because some of it might be a model, but um, they're producing something that makes a computer do something amazing, and they're doing two people at one keyboard. Is that what you mean? Yes, although g given the pandemic, they're not literally. <laughs> well, good point. <laughs> but, yes, but 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 yes, but but actual pairing. And when we were in the office, we had these people. You know, literally, what people I have in mind. I have a particular pair of people in mind, and they did sit next to each other, uh, and um, and now they are still pairing though remotely. And yes, they they create output, and they, you know, they're partners in their in their collaboration. And they uh, do work to make sure that they have uh, this real synergy between the the code that's being produced by the developer, informed by the needs of the data scientists, and the data scientists and, and their code uh, uh, interacting with those of the developer. And then, of course, what doesn't happen is that the developer doesn't say, oh, who ordered this and doesn't put it in production because <laughs> they worked on it together, right? Oh, absolutely. And as a result, I think they're able to make much more progress much faster than they would working separately. That's what they tell me. You know, that, that, uh, um, they said, look, we're, we're just so much more productive getting this kind of system built than when the modeling was done separate from the development. Because when, if we roll back in time for a few years ago, when the at Tim we had our first model come in, it was had to be completely re-implemented. You know, as you say, we got kind of a, a bunch of uh, I don't remember whether it was R code or uh, Python code or what what it was, but it was it was it was not what we um, had in production. And then we had to go build a bunch of tools around collecting data uh, and re-implement and a lot of uh, validation to make sure that we had were getting consistent results. So it was a lot of a lot of essentially backfill, not value at work, and. It, once we learned how to do things better, we, we had developers involved from the beginning, especially around sort of generating the data realistically from production and essentially 
partially building the production system first, you know, because you're building the data pipeline that you're actually going to use in production from the beginning. That was a huge win. And it it made the, the data scientists' uh, life easier because they could get more data better, faster. And what came out of it were models that were already built on top of that production data. So it was, it was a, a, an amazing uh, uh, improvement for us when we got that collaboration in place. There you go. Okay. Well, we like to give listeners ideas that they can implement. So uh, pairing may be a kind of a radical out of fashion idea these days, but both Jeffrey and I are big fans and something that we should talk about more generally, I think. Uh, help me remember, Jeffrey, we should do another episode on that. But more in this specific case, greater collaboration directly between data scientists and engineers, whether you go as far as pairing two people on one keyboard or not. Uh, don't don't. Uh, I, I was going to say maybe we should have a bumper sticker that says uh, "Hug a developer today and hug a data scientist today," but that's <laughs> wrong, wrong, wrong time for that. Maybe in a few months. But um, bringing them closer together for direct collaboration is something that our listeners could try. So uh, let's let's encourage them to do that. What do you think, Jeffrey? I, I think so. And and if you've tried it and it and it worked, I'd love to hear from you. And if it didn't work, why not? I, I mean, I, I would be fascinated because I'm sure that we're not the first people who've tried this or thought of it. Absolutely. What, what, what's happened for you when you've tried this? Excellent. And you can always find us at conversationaltransformation.com, Twitter, so you can find all kinds of tweets from me, what's coming up next, um, uh, email, uh, free videos, all kinds of good stuff for getting in touch with us and join our mailing list, other good things like that. Conversationaltransformation.com is the place. And of course, we'll be here again next Wednesday talking about something else exciting. Thanks, Jeffrey. Thanks, Carl. 